Sign up to The Economist for in-depth curated expert analysis of world events and topics ranging from business and culture to science and technology. You'll get the weekly digital edition, online-only articles, curated newsletters on politics, the markets, science, culture and China, and full access to The Economist Podcast Plus. The Economist is independent journalism for independent thinking. Go to economist.com and get your first month free. You're watching Global BC. This is Global News Hour at 6. Those stories in a moment, but we begin with breaking news. A serious accident in Coquitlam involving a runaway dump truck. This is a live shot from our Global One helicopter. The Lougheed Highway is shut down in both directions between Pitt River Road and Como Lake. Good evening and thank you very much for joining us. What a devastating scene for rush hour commuters. Our Kristen Robinson joins us live near the accident right now. Kristen, uh, they're still piecing together, together the details, but it's believed a work truck on the Riverview site rolled into rush hour traffic. Is that right? That's right, Sophie. Just a horrific scene along the Lougheed Highway here in Coquitlam. Now, it all unfolded right behind us here around 3.30 this afternoon. That's when RCMP were called to a multi-vehicle crash at Como Lake and Pitt River Road. Witnesses say a runaway dump truck rolled onto the highway, hitting several vehicles. One person is believed to be deceased. Six others were taken to hospital. No word on their injuries tonight, but witnesses describe a frightening scene of chaos and carnage. When I look up, when I see the truck rolling down and I ran the guy over with the gate, and I would go up. As I see there's no one in the truck, then I see the guy laying on the ground, and then it just crashed. I stopped my car, I was like, holy crap, and my first instinct was just to see if everyone was okay, but that was the most serious thing I've ever experienced in my life. Now, during the ensuing traffic mayhem caused by this crash behind us, police were called to another collision just west of here on the Lougheed Highway near United Boulevard. RCMP, as you can see, still on the scene here tonight investigating Lougheed Highway eastbound and westbound between Como Lake and Pitt River Road, expected to be closed until further notice. Chris and Sophie. All right. Thanks for that. Kristen Robinson on the scene there. And we'll keep you updated on the traffic situation throughout the news hour tonight. A frustrating situation for a single dad in Vancouver who says he's just trying to raise responsible and independent children. The kids range in age from 5 to 11, and he's taught them to ride the bus alone. But as Grace Key reports, someone complained, and it's turned their world upside down. Dan Adrian Crook is taking his kids to their first day of school, but if he had it his way, his five kids would be doing it without him. To teach them to be less reliant on cars and to be independent, he taught them how to take the bus on their own. There's a five-minute bus and a 20-minute bus, and over the course of two years, we went from one year doing both bus rides with me to for six months doing just a ladder bus ride on their own to then for just a few months doing the entire trip on their own. The four children ranging in age from 11 to 7 were taking a bus on their own last spring from downtown to North Vancouver. Once they did miss a stop, but they called their dad on their cell phone, which he uses to track them. Their trips ended when the Ministry of Children and Family Development got involved through a complaint. Not me. 
There you go. So I'm more concerned about the precedent for other parents. Like before my kids used to cross the street to go to 7-Eleven, some of them. And even that's not allowed anymore. Somebody pushed me. Three provinces have laws around a minimum age for which a child can be left alone. In Manitoba and New Brunswick, it's under 12. In Ontario, it's 16. B.C. has no legal minimum age. <laughs> but a letter from a social worker reminds Adrian that until the children are 10 years old, they cannot be unsupervised in the community, and that until a child is 12 years old, they cannot be responsible for younger children. <laughs> Adrian's kids say they were comfortable riding on the bus. We had a lot of experience, yeah. We got used to it, and now it felt like we weren't scared. Crime is less than when we grew up, so we should be trusting that we live in a safe world. But we don't base our decisions on, on data often. We base it on a visceral fear. Until his eldest turns 12 next year, Adrian will be riding with the kids on the bus. Grace Key, Global News. Big changes are coming to ICBC to deal with what the province calls a devastating financial situation at the insurance corporation. Ramina Dea joins us now with the details. And Ramina, drivers are going to be asked to pay more. Yeah, in short, the rates are going up, so you better take the money that you're saving from the bridge tolls and put it aside for the rate hike. All drivers are going to have to pay more. We need to take drastic action to fix ICBC's devastating current financial situation. That drastic action equals a rate hike for all drivers, good or bad. Starting November 1st, basic insurance climbing 6.4%, about $57 a year for the average driver. Basic plus optional, jumping by 8%, another 130 bucks annually. I mean, I think it's already really ridiculously expensive. I'm so poor. <laughs> Already, I, I can't do that. More accidents. More injury claims. No money. The new NDP government blaming the rate hike on the Liberals, saying its predecessor deceived the public by underreporting the Crown Corporation's losses. His government took so much money out of ICBC over just the last six years, um, over a billion dollars. Uh, the cupboard is bare. Uh, there's no more money uh, for any government. Uh, to take from ICBC, uh, that option is over for governments. Why don't they blame the car drivers who have accidents instead? It infuriates me. I mean, the older I get, my insurance should be coming down. It's not. It's always going up. The Attorney General calculates that one out of every four ICBC dollars is spent on litigation. But lawyers argue it's a problem the public insurer created. And I think that if people felt fairly treated by ICBC and we worked on fairness, there'd be less lawyers and there'd certainly be less protracted litigation. The NDP justifying several new measures to curb the number of accidents. Red light cameras will soon be operational 24-7 instead of just six hours a day. So e-brake activated when motion was detected. A pilot project using new technology is also coming to stop drivers from using their cell phones. The looming rate hike making many drivers want to ditch their car for a bus pass. Some people may be feeling that way for sure. Ramina, I know it's tough to see into the future, but is this the end of it or could drivers see even more hikes? It is a possibility, Chris, for 2018. The Attorney General said that at this point it would be foolish to guarantee anything because even with this increase that's coming, ICBC is still going to be in the red by hundreds of millions of dollars. Chris. All right. Thanks very much, Romina. 
The Integrated Homicide Investigation Team is releasing new information tonight in connection with three recent murders on the Lower Mainland. Catherine Urquhart joins us now with the breaking details on that. Catherine, there has been an arrest in a double fatal shooting in Langley. Yes, Sophie, there has been an arrest and several charges have been laid against 21-year-old Travis McPhail of Langley. Last Friday at about 5.30 a.m., two people were found inside a vehicle in Langley. Both had been shot and subsequently died. They've now been identified as 34-year-old Brandy Petrie of Burnaby, an actress and former exotic dancer and 20-year-old Avery Leavely Flesher of Surrey. The accused, Travis McPhail, was arrested near the crime scene at 232 Street and 64th Avenue. He's charged with two counts of second-degree murder and possession of a restricted firearm. McPhail is also charged with uttering threats and aggravated sexual assault. So the other charges, including uttering threats and aggravated sexual assault, are against... Uh, another victim, aside from the two homicide victims. Can you tell us if that's a male or female? I can't go into those details at this time. Okay. Now, as you heard, police being very careful this afternoon to protect that third victim. And it is unclear if that individual is connected to the double homicide that happened on Friday morning. Sophie? Catherine Urquhart reporting tonight. Catherine, thank you. I hit also identifying 35-year-old Jose Martin Torres as the victim of a fatal shooting in Chilliwack. Torres was known to police. He was shot Sunday at 4.30 in the morning in the 9500 block of William Street. Anyone with information is asked to contact IHIT or Crime Stoppers. Back to school for hundreds of thousands of children across B.C., and that means police across the province are stepping up enforcement of school speed zones. Ironically, it was so busy today in East Vancouver, the traffic so slow that a VPD speed trap set up near a school failed to catch anyone. Actually, the most common thing we see is uh, bad parking and stopping behavior in and around the schools. So I hate to say it, but parents are often the worst offenders. Distracted driving is also an issue, and in the coming weeks, police will be rolling out a province-wide campaign targeting offenders. And while the school year may have started and there is plenty of excitement, what there is not enough of are teachers. There are still hundreds of vacancies throughout the province. John Hua has more on how districts are plugging the holes and the impact that could have on students. It's the sweet sound so many parents have been waiting for. It's going to be good. I'm really excited to normal schedule. They need that consistency, the day in and day out of knowing what they're doing. For students, the start of the school year offering that much needed stability. She likes school and she's excited to see her friends and find out her teacher and her class. But behind the scenes, school districts across British Columbia are still scrambling to fill hundreds of teacher vacancies. There's about 300 still to fill, but then you have to make sure you have enough teachers on call as well. The struggle to catch up the result of a court order to restore smaller classroom sizes. In Surrey alone, the district added 168 new classes this year, 30 due to regular growth. The remainder of 138 because of the court-ordered expansion. We're telling parents, uh, you know, instead of a week or two to get all the classrooms settled and that sort of thing, it'll probably take us a little bit longer than that. An even larger issue, the need for special educators. The specialty positions have always been a challenge for all school districts. Uh, there's more of a crunch now. Whether it's a lack of staff or shortage in space, 
The province says the start of the school year is about making do. We've had to take some steps that are temporary measures and uh, you know we'll be addressing uh, the capital needs of this province more thoroughly in our next uh, in our next budget. In the short term, parents worry about their kids getting caught up in the teacher shuffle. She gets a little bit anxious. She wants to go to school and know who her teacher is. And have that stability so many students count on at the start of the school year. John Hua, Global News. Maybe it's a good thing they're all heading back inside because the lower mainland is right back into the haze with smoke from wildfires blocking out much of the sun. Linda Aylesworth explains how that's impacting air quality and why there is a silver lining. After a long weekend of record-breaking temperatures, it was a relief today when the scorcher forecast by Environment Canada came up short on the south coast. They have uh, cancelled their heat advisory for today and that is related to the fact that the smoke layer is so thick that it's reducing uh, the amount of sunshine that we're going to get. The smoke is coming from wildfires on both sides of the border. Most of Washington state is coping with similar conditions. In Seattle, outflow winds are even dropping soot onto the city. Those outflow winds uh, are bringing both uh, sets of, of smoke into our region. Even though today's air quality advisory is the 17th in Metro Vancouver this year, which, by the way, breaks the previous record by seven days, it's hard to get used to something so unsightly and in some cases so dangerous. We certainly want to caution those people, uh, the elderly infants, those with lung and heart disease, uh, to seek shelter, reduce their outdoor activity time, and consult their healthcare professional if they are feeling symptoms. But there is a silver lining. By blocking the sun's rays, thick smoke can do more than lower temperatures. It can reduce the formation of harmful ozone. The ozone that we are generally concerned with is ground-level ozone. And that is something that is produced uh, when various chemicals in the atmosphere interact with sunlight. Because so little sunlight got through today, Metro Vancouver's ozone advisory was lifted. But on the other hand, fine particulate matter was disconcertingly high in several communities. Fortunately, relief is on the way. The weather shift that we're expecting on Thursday is mostly just a change in wind patterns. uh, And then perhaps some precipitation this weekend, which would be uh, very much appreciated. Linda Aylesworth, Global News. It was the flash seen far and wide. Thousands of people saw it as it turned night into day across a wide swath of the province. Security cameras captured it from dozens of angles. Most people recognized it as a meteor. But where did it land, if it even did? Solving the meteor mystery in just over a minute. The pressure to pick up last-minute back-to-school supplies gets way out of hand at a Michigan Walmart. That's coming up later on the news hour. And into the fire zone. Prime Minister Justin Trudeau gets a first-hand look at what firefighters and evacuated residents are up against. But first, it was about 10.14 p.m. when the skies lit up, followed by phone lines at police detachments across parts of B.C., Alberta, and Washington State. It was a huge fireball, and Aaron MacArthur spoke to the experts today about what most likely caused it. Wait for it. Wait for it. What the heck was that? I suddenly saw a big flame coming down from the sky. People who looked up at the night sky at just the right time Monday night treated to an otherworldly show. Saw a big flash across the sky 
and we were, we were worried that it was lightning and that might set the forest on fire. Very bright, uh, night turned into day and then I saw the fireball streaking across the sky and about a minute later we heard the boom. According to the experts, this was a fireball, a meteor that hit the atmosphere at just the right angle to light up the night sky. The average shooting star that you see in the meteor showers that happen monthly, those are pieces of dust or, or rock, very, very small pieces of dust, like sand almost, burning up in our atmosphere. What we saw last night, much larger than that. We're estimating that's anywhere between the size of about uh, a basketball to the size of a small car. The meteor was visible across southern BC, Alberta, even Washington and Idaho. It streaked across the atmosphere at 50 kilometers a second along Kootenai Lake from Boswell to Meadow Creek. Whether it hit the ground or not, unlikely that it would be dangerous. They will represent absolutely no risk of wildfires triggering a wildfire. It's only in the movies where meteorites are hot and radioactive and glow and turn people into superheroes. It might not have been dangerous, but for that split second, people were worried it might be something other than what it really was. When I saw it, it sort of freaked me out and I thought like uh, I saw on the internet someone was joking about North Korean missiles, but I, I was scared for two seconds. The Cosmos putting on a great sound and light show. Aaron MacArthur, Global News. Sorry, I missed it. Looks really cool on security camera. All right, a man accused of murder offers an unusual defense. I took, I took more medicine than I should have. His chilling 911 call and why he says he isn't responsible for killing his wife. And flyers with an inflammatory message show up at the dog park, and even the mayor is weighing in. Prime Minister Justin Trudeau meeting with frontline forest fires, uh, forest firefighters in Kelowna today to thank them for their efforts during this record-breaking fire season. The PM is in Kelowna with his caucus to discuss strategies just ahead of the next session of the House of Commons starting on September 18th. And the fire season is also putting back to school on hold for hundreds of students. Five interior schools sat empty today, too close to the fires to reopen safely. And as Nadia Stewart reports, even the kids who did go back to school, it was far from business as usual for them. Come on, Mama. All right. Come on. <laughs> Heading into class for the first day of school, marking the end of what has been a busy summer. I had a good summer. You had a good summer? Yeah. Yeah? What'd you do this summer? I stayed with friends, and I went to see all my aunties and grandmas and grandpas. We were evac so we were, you know, uh, spread around the countryside. <laughs> People living in campers and staying with friends. Like so many parents, this is what he had to deal with amidst trying to keep summer break feeling as normal as possible. When over the last eight weeks, it's been anything but. Parents say the start of classes is a big step towards returning to regular. It's important to have a normal life, even though there's like stuff going on. We just have to have a normal life, so, right? They need their education. So even though this school is open today, there are still five others where classes will not be resuming today across the Caribou Chilcotin. And for about 300 or so kids, that means a delayed start to the school year. Horse Lake Elementary School, Alexis Creek, Anaheim Lake, Dog Creek and Tatla Lake School will not be open on Tuesday. What's more, school buses won't drive through alert or order zones, so parents have to shuttle their kids. So that will be a bit of an unusual start for sure. Coupled with the unusual summer, staff across the district will be watching to see how kids are settling in. 
Officials pointing to their resiliency as the biggest advantage. This community has done amazing things in coming together, and, and I'm certain that that's going to happen in our schools as well. Nadia Stewart, Global News, 100 Mile House. Some bizarre flyers left in a Pitt Meadows park are raising eyebrows. The flyers in Hoffman Park, which is an off-leash area, warn that dogs are, quote, considered filthy in Islam and that people should keep their dogs away from the Muslims who live in the community. The Pitt Meadows logo is at the bottom of the flyer, but the mayor says whether they were produced by a well-meaning member of the Muslim community or by someone wanting to stir things up, the city didn't post them. The SPCA in Victoria is dealing with an overwhelming number of cats. More than 50 surrendered after what's believed to be a case of animal hoarding at a home in Greater Victoria. So many cats were turned in over a three-day period that the SPCA had to move cats already in its care to make room for these more desperate cases. We know that they came from pretty rough circumstances. They, they were in pretty bad shape, very crowded conditions, very dirty, um, unsanitary conditions. We're dealing with just huge numbers in one tiny space. The branch is also asking for help paying for supplies to help care for the animals and any donations to help with medical costs and treatment. Get in touch if you can. Well, all eyes are on Irma right now, steaming across the Caribbean. We can't take no chances. We've got to just, you know, get prepared. What could be the strongest storm ever recorded? And who could take the worst of it? Coming up. Also ahead, the cold medicine murder and the chilling confession from the suspect who now says he's not responsible. You hear about it, but you don't often see it. A bird strike caught on camera with bursts of flames shooting from the engine of a Japanese passenger jet. The Boeing 777, carrying 248 passengers and crew, requested an emergency landing after hitting the bird. It circled for a while to dump fuel and then returned safely to Tokyo's Haneda International Airport. Just days after Hurricane Harvey battered Texas, the U.S., Puerto Rico, the Dominican Republic, Haiti, and Cuba are all on course to be hit by one of the most powerful Atlantic storms ever recorded. Irma is a Category 5 hurricane with winds of a terrifying 300 kilometers an hour. And virtually every computer model has it hitting Florida. Tonight, across Florida, the rush is on. It's packed everywhere. Gas, supplies, patience going quickly as a monster hurricane churns in the Atlantic. We can't take no chances. we got to just, you know, get prepared. The Keys closing schools and preparing to start evacuating tourists tomorrow. All of Florida now under a state of emergency as Irma's path is uncertain. We have no idea what's in store. We'll have to pray for the best. This morning, as hurricane hunters flew into the storm, it rapidly strengthened into a dangerous Category 5 behemoth, with winds now reaching a staggering 185 miles an hour. These incredible NASA images show the ominous eye of the storm as it barrels towards the Caribbean. The National Hurricane Center calling Irma potentially catastrophic, not just Florida in its path, but possibly millions along the East Coast. This is a very very powerful and intense storm. This storm um, doesn't appear to be weakening in any way, shape, or form. In the Sunshine State, bottled water has been flying off shelves as 7,000 members of the National Guard are on alert. We are getting our house ready and debating whether we should stay or whether we should go. Tomas Rivera rode out the area's last Cat 5 hurricane, Andrew, 25 years ago. How worried are you about the storm? Extremely worried. 
I mean, on a scale of 1 to 10, probably 13. Airline change fees and highway tolls now waived as residents rush to get out. Gabe Gutierrez, NBC News, Miami. And meteorologist Yvonne Schell is tracking the storm for us. Yvonne, break down the path of Irma for us. Yeah, so several models right now are keeping a close eye. as well-defined as we can see on the satellite, and it is churning and gaining strength over the Caribbean. Right now it's developed into a Hurricane 5 with the winds uh, ramping close up to 30, 300 kilometers per hour, a westerly direction at 24 kilometers per hour. The concern for Wednesday will be a Puerto Rico as well as the Virgin Islands, but we're keeping a close eye as early as the weekend at Cape May Land for southern sections over Florida as well. We will keep a close eye on that as things do progress. So, all right, thanks for that, Yvonne. An unusual court case is underway in North Carolina. A young man accused of killing his wife in the middle of the night has offered a bizarre explanation for how it happened, saying he can't even remember it. As Blake McCoy reports, the man's chilling confession to a 911 dispatcher is part of the evidence. Matthew Phelps and Lauren Hugelmeyer married just 10 months ago. He was studying to be a minister. She taught Sunday school. In a chilling 911 call this weekend, Phelps, his voice altered by police, says he may have killed his new wife in their Raleigh home. I have blood all over me and there's a bloody knife on the bed and I think I did it. Okay, do you think she is beyond any help? I don't know. I'm too scared to get too close to her. He claims to have woken from a dream to find his wife dead and blamed cold medicine. I took, I took more medicine than I should have. He said to help him sleep. Phelps, now charged with murder, made his first court appearance today. You could receive the death penalty or life without the possibility of parole. We have to ask everybody to withhold judgment in this particular case until we know more. It wouldn't be the first time cold medicine has been used as a defense for murder. Lewis Chen, a Seattle doctor, tried it last year and got the maximum prison sentence. It seems like a desperate long shot, but it's theoretically possible if there's strong medical testimony to show that an extreme dose could cause an extremely violent reaction and if there's no evidence whatsoever that the defendant had a motive to murder his wife. Phelps has no criminal record. He can be heard sobbing during that 911 call. He didn't deserve this. Why? Why? A question Lauren Hugelmeyer's friends and family are undoubtedly wondering too. Blake McCoy, NBC News. Prince William hasn't made any official comments about the news that he and the Duchess of Cambridge are expecting their third child. But cameras caught his first informal comments today. William made the brief impromptu remarks during a visit to the National Mental Health and Policing Conference in Oxford. Kensington Palace announced yesterday that the royal couple are expecting their third child after Kate was forced to pull out of some appearances due to severe morning sickness. A tragedy on a Vancouver Island slow-pitch diamond is encouraging another athlete to come forward with her story of a near-fatal injury that's very similar. Chris Godfrey died after a blow to the head, prompting a move to make helmets mandatory on Vancouver Island. Now Danielle Hitchner is pushing Softball Canada to make it a national policy. 
Danielle Hitchner is on her way to creating change in softball and slow pitch. She started this petition urging Softball Canada to adopt an immediate mandatory helmet rule for its 95,000 members across the country. If this isn't the most important matter to them on their agenda, then what is? For Hitchner, the issue hits close to home. Last May, during a slow pitch game, she was running to first base when she was accidentally hit in the head by a ball. She was knocked unconscious and needed emergency brain surgery. The ringing ears is constant. It's all the time, but um, I actually have an appreciation for the annoyance and that I can feel it because that alone means I'm alive. She survived, but that wasn't the case for 32-year-old Chris Godfrey. He died days after being hit in a nearly identical scenario to Hitchner. Neither of them were wearing helmets. The Courtney man's wife confirmed his death in an emotional Facebook post. She said in part, on Wednesday, August 30th at 2.55 p.m., I laid beside my husband hand in hand and watched him take his last breath. Our lives are forever changed. We lost a member of the Slow Pitch family. His name is Chris Godfrey. The law sending shockwaves throughout the ball community. Please remove your hats. Hundreds at the co-ed World Series in Kamloops over the weekend observing a moment of silence for Godfrey. Helmets are flying off the shelves as some BC leagues have already adopted the rule. We've had some presidents from some of the leagues come in too and buy buckets of helmets. Normally this time of year we wouldn't be bringing in helmets but uh, the sudden increase in sales is demanded that. Other bodies like Slow Pitch National and the National Slow Pitch Athletics Enterprises of Canada also considering the change, but it's not going to happen right away. And that has Hitchner driving home one important point. They're very inexpensive when you compare it to the cost of a life. Rule or no rule, the decision is in the hands of the player. Nitu Garcha, Global News. It's a video with nearly a million views and climbing by the hour. Oh! you get him? A bat causes chaos in the kitchen for an Irish family who recorded the attempt, hilarious attempt, to catch it. And back to school shopping is like the Wild West at this Michigan Walmart. Coming up. You're watching Global News Hour at 6. Shoppers fight it out in a Walmart. After the forecast, we'll show you just how far over the line this one went and what it was all about. And you will be shocked. <laughs> Not worth it. Mm -hmm. Okay, uh, let's check in once again with Yvonne. Hazy skies out there, uh, maybe keeping the temperature down a little bit because we did have a heat advisory. Right? Yeah, so it has managed to keep a few of the temperatures unofficially. We've seen a, a bunch today. Yesterday we broke over 20 uh, temperature records across the province. Uh, a few to sample or to look at. Abbotsford, 36.4. Agassiz, 36.8. Comox was included within that. In Victoria yesterday soaring at with a new record high of 31.2. We'll continue to see that layer of smoke over tomorrow. A break is on the way for Thursday. More of the timing of it and what we can see in the interior in just a moment. 21 right now is the current temperature with the northwesterly wind at 9 kilometers per hour. Temperatures today out of the airport at 24 and inland sections were still up to 30 degrees as our daytime highs. Into the interior today, still seeing areas of smoke and highs of 27 for much of the tops in Okanagan. 30 today was a hot one for Williams Lake and coastal sections for Prince Rupert at 25. We continue to see this ridge of high pressure that 
remains in place, and that's been the dominant feature that we've been seeing. We'll see another hot day for the south coast tomorrow and two more hot days for the southern interior before we start to track some moisture on the way and an increase in cloud cover. The northern regions of the province for tomorrow still seeing that ridge in place, so it will remain dry. We can see this moving its way towards the east. The ridge by Friday should give a nice break across much of the province and leading into the weekend with a nice reprieve. Coastal sections tomorrow with a chance of showers on and off throughout the day. Inland sections will still see the heat, but an increase in cloud cover towards the afternoon. Smithers will climb up to 28 degrees. The northeastern corners of the province pushing closer to 30 degrees for the piece. Central interior with areas of smoke at 28. Much of the southern interior tomorrow will see the areas of smoke and the heat once again. Two more hot days for interior sections and a break is on the way with some precipitation on Friday. Whistler tomorrow up to 34 degrees and across the island and the south coast we'll still see one more day with that layer of smoke and then it should start to taper off as we get in towards our Thursday. A reprieve is on the way late day Thursday into Friday. We could see some precipitation and rain pushing in, showers for most areas and then cooling off on Friday with a high of 21 degrees. We've got a birthday announcement this evening or an anniversary rather for Bill and Eva Durpak from White Rock celebrating their 70th wedding anniversary. Congratulations to you. And our weather window this evening is from Nathan Harper. A great shot from Texada Island. Guys? So he's got a salmon on the end of that line <laughs> or a halibut or something. All right, thanks very much, Yvonne. Michigan police are considering charges against four women who took a battle over school supplies to a shocking level. Cell phone video shows a group of women fighting in the school supplies section when one of them suddenly pulls a gun, sending everyone scattering. Apparently, she was the mother of the young woman on the floor who was being attacked by two other women. Police say she was legally allowed to carry the gun, and while no shots were fired, they are still looking into possible charges. So what was the fight over? A notebook. Silly. Oh, goodness. Speaking of silly, <laughs> never underestimate the power of a kitten. Case in point, this little girl in Boston. She was spotted by drivers scampering around a busy tunnel. Police shut down the highway and an animal rescue group managed to scoop her up. She has a slight injury on her tail. Oh, look at her face, but she's okay, and she'll be put up for adoption. Very cute. Boston. Great ending. Boston, known for terrible traffic. That's the last thing they needed on the highway. Here's Squire with a look ahead of what's going on with sports. Yeah, they're, known, they're known for cheating teams. Now the Red Sox were caught yes. with an electronic device stealing signals from the Yankees. Their football team deflates the balls. You know yes, how it is. Yes. <laughs> Hey, uh, at the uh, Canucks informal little practice today, uh, Jay Janauer asked this question of Henrik Sedin. What would be a successful season for this hockey team, realistically, with, with everything going on? Playoffs. While there isn't a ton of optimism in Canucks Nation for the coming season, the captain still believes. Lots of Canuck news coming up. Also tonight, an Irish family's hilarious attempt oh. to catch a bat that flew into their kitchen yeah. later. Marie, will you stop Alrighty. Okay. Let's talk sports. You are blue, my man. I am. It's a theme. It looks good. The official, um, the official color of, uh, is very blue. It's really blue. It matches the banner blue. right below you, see? Yes. <laughs> uh, game one of the Vancouver Canadiens' best of three playoff series with Spokane was called off tonight because of smoke. They've been getting a lot of smoke pouring down into Spokane from various forest fires. The air quality is poor, so both teams are busing back to Vancouver 
Game one, two, and three, if necessary, will now all be played at Nat Bailey Stadium. Game one is tomorrow night. Originally, Nat Bailey was only going to be the site of games two and three, if necessary. So if you bought tickets for those games, here's what happens. The situation does not change. So fans that had tickets for game uh, two originally on Wednesdays will be instead watching game one. Effectively, the entertainment will be just as good. Beer will be just as cold. Hot dogs just as hot. Baseball just as exciting. Simplest way to put it is Wednesday's tickets are valid for Wednesday. Thursday's tickets are valid for Thursday. And Thursday's game will happen, whereas before it wasn't if necessary. And now we have a brand new game on Friday, which we have to sell out in three days. That was J.C. Fraser, the general manager of the Vancouver Canadiens. Okay. For all those in Canuck Nation who want to believe that making the playoffs in the midst of a rebuild is possible, I give you the optimism of Henrik Sedin, who said today he thinks it's a realistic goal for the Canucks this year to make the playoffs. Why did he say that? I think if you look at our lineup, I think we're, deep, I think we're deeper as a team. Uh, if you put in the, the guys uh, on paper where they should be, it's, uh, it's a deeper team. We might not have that number one line that other teams have and uh, but I think we're, we're deep enough to, to be able to, to fight for spots. Now this weekend is the annual Young Stars Classic in Penticton. Jets, Oilers, Flames and Canucks send their prospects for three games each. The Canucks are bringing Brock Besser, Ole Olevi who have chances to make the big team this year. Cole Lind of the Rockets will be there. Griffin Molino who played a bit with the Canucks last year will be there. Thatcher Demko, Michael DiPietro are going to be in goal for Vancouver. Prospects not there, Elias Pedersen and his Swedish sidekick, Jonathan Dahlin. Now, Dahlin was supposed to go, but he has come down with a case of mononucleosis. And after what the Canucks went through with the mumps, they're probably very happy to have him far away, perhaps inside a, bu a bubble like that. The thing about mono, everyone seems to recover at different speeds, so it's hard to say how much this will impact Dahlin's season wherever he plays. So after three good years in Sweden, Anton Rodin decided to join the Swedish expats club, also known as the Vancouver Canucks, last season. But in one word, it was disastrous. Not because he wasn't good enough. We don't even know if he's good enough yet because he was too sore to play very much. I feel like you have unfinished business here, and uh, um, I think this is a good place uh, for, for me to, to get into the lineup. Getting into the lineup something Anton Rodin could never do last season. He showed up at camp with a wonky knee that had never fully recovered from surgery. Rodin suited up for all of three games, but never found his stride, eventually needing a second surgery on the same knee, ending his season before it had even really started. Did you prove anything to yourself in the few games that you got into in the NHL? Not really. Uh, it, it was what it was. Uh, I got, uh, I got a taste of it, and uh, I know kind of what's, well, what to expect, and that's the good thing about it, I guess. So where do you pencil him in the lineup, or does he even fit? That's difficult to gauge because we've never seen what a healthy Anton Rodin is capable of. He's not a guy blessed with blazing speed, and at 26, an age where frontline NHL players are well-established and into their NHL careers... Rodin remains the great unknown. He, he has a lot of talent and he, he can play. So I think for him, just being uh, uh, healthy now and coming to training camp with a clean slate and just uh, be out there, I think for him is a, is a big bonus. And uh, I think he's going to really compete for a top six spot. He looks so much better uh, the way he skates. And you can tell that he's, uh, I think he's going to have a chance of making this team. And 
be an impact player for sure. The Canucks remain intrigued by what Rodine could bring to the lineup. It's why they re-signed him to a one-year, one-way, $700,000 contract. And as for that twice surgically repaired knee that derailed his long-awaited NHL career? Now it feels better. Now it feels good. Uh, I can skate. I can do stuff in the gym I couldn't uh, uh, a year ago, so I'm really happy with it. Rodine and the Vancouver Canucks begin training camp next Tuesday at Rogers Arena. Jay Janowa, Global Sports. BC Lions are out of their break. The bad news, they come out in last place in the West. The good news, four of their final eight games are against Eastern teams. And all four are at BC Place starting Saturday against Montreal. Obviously, you cannot automatically chalk those games against Eastern teams up as wins. You have to play the game, but the West is best this year. What needs to happen, though, for BC to get its act together is they have to improve the offense. And Travis Lule says that means running and passing almost equally. Balanced. Um, that's the key to our offensive attack. So when we're running the football well, when we can do some things off of the run, when we have some run pass option, when our run game hasn't been as good, we haven't been as good in the pass game. And that's just the way we're built. Um, so that's what we're looking for. Didn't get a chance to show this yesterday, but really wanted to show it. On the weekend, USC Trojans brought in center Jake Olson to snap the ball for a convert after a touchdown. That doesn't sound like anything special, except that Olson has been completely blind since the age of 12. Here he is coming onto the field, being helped by one of his teammates. Referee realizes what's going on. Anytime, son. Go ahead. Perfect. Perfect snap. And there he is, Jake Olson. Plays a pretty mean game of golf, too, apparently. Has played Pebble Beach. That's amazing. Wow. Right on the money with a snap. Dude. It was perfect. All right. Thank you very much, Squire. You're welcome. Let's check in with Andrew and Al for a look ahead to Global News at 11, Anne. Thanks, Sophie. And we continue to follow the breaking news out of Coquitlam tonight. At least one person is believed to be dead following a serious crash along the Lowheed Highway near Pitt Rivers Road. Witnesses say a runaway dump truck rolled onto the highway, hitting several vehicles. Our global crews are still on scene, and we are hoping for an update from police. We will have the latest on that story and the rest of the day's news tonight when you join us at 11 o'clock. All right. Thanks very much, Ann. And when we come back, chaos in an Irish kitchen. It's, it's pretty funny. Coming up on ET Canada, Meghan Markle covers Vanity Fair and opens up about her relationship with Prince Harry for the first time. Plus, Sharon Osbourne forgives Ozzy after his six affairs. And we get you ready for season two of Travelers. That is coming up at seven right after the news hour. But right now, back to you, Chris and Sophie. Thank you, Roz. Excellent choice in suit this evening as well. <laughs> he always copies you. <laughs> always. Well, what happens when a bat finds itself trapped in a house in Kerry, Ireland? You know, we knew you were wondering this. <laughs> Father Derry grabbed a towel, mother retreated into another room, and son grabbed his cell phone to record it all. The next minute or so is online gold. Enjoy. Is it bat? Get it back. Get it back. Catch him. Catch him, Derry. Derry, catch him. Catch him, Derry. Bigger towel, that's it. Get him now, quick. Get him. Oh, Marie, will you stop looking in the door? Oh, you're doing great. You're doing great. Just... <laughs> oh, you're doing a great job, Derry. You're... Oh, that's it. Stand up, Derry. Oh, did you get him? No, he's there. He's making a mockery out of you, boy. The dog's... 
Testing! Dad to dogs after peeing! Oh, for... <laughs> Maureen, you're no help behind the door! You're tiring him out. He's like McGregor, he's got no legs left. Go on, catch him now. There he is, get him. Oh! Instant coffee. Oh, oh, oh! He's on me! Should the dog got a fright and he p***ed himself, ma'am? So how, how, how would you blame him? Eight, eight, oh. That's a yeah. nice outfit he's wearing, too. It really is. <laughs> I, wa I, I'm, I must watch that a dozen times today, and it cracks me up every time. It's just so but funny. I mean, without the Irish accents, I don't know if it would have been quite as funny. It really helped right. Sylvia there. <laughs> and, the dog, and, and, and the dog, and like, the just for whatever reason, peeing on the floor. It's like, just, you know. Totally out of the blue. Yeah, but it was hat great. Tip, hat tip to Aiden Buckley.